Thank you, Melissa, for, uh, for the prayers. And uh, it is my great pleasure and uh, privilege to introduce our guest speaker. Thanks to uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Eric Flex, uh, guest speaking, I'm um, sharing God's word today. I had a wonderful, doubly wonderful uh, time in uh, mountain in New Mexico. And uh, so it was a doubly great. I saw mountain and snow. And I knew that when I return, I will receive a great spiritual blessing. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a double whammy of uh, good news. And uh, let me introduce you briefly, uh, uh, Eric Black. He's, he's, I just found out that he was born in Colorado, all my favorite places, and raised in New Mexico. So he's very familiar with the mountain and uh, even the name forest. And he's just like many of us, he's a transplant Texan studied at uh, Hardin-Simon University and Southwestern Baptist Seminary, and he received a PhD from the B.H. Carroll Theological Institute. He's been into all kinds of ministry from the youth and uh, educational and the even BSM, Baptist Student Ministry, I didn't know. And in the last several years, he's been serving. Uh, we are very grateful for his uh, leadership in the Texas Standard, which is our, our how to say the news, well, he will explain more, but he is a, a publisher and editor, executive director, you know, so he knows a lot about churches because he basically bring all the information and then selectively, you know, share those with us. But also he's a man of God and then he, he loves the Bible. And so we are in the great treat today. So without further ado, oh, so he's a member of FBC Plano and there's two children there. And also his parents are joining us. Didn't know that his father, Lee, is from Bay San Francisco, born and raised San Francisco. How many times do you see, you know, a uh, uh, native Californian here? So anyway, so without further, so before you speak, let's unmute and say, thank you for coming. So just say something. Thank you for coming to Forest. Thank you. All right, now please mute and don't interrupt. Let's hear your last <laughs> word. Okay. Well, thank you for that introduction. I will do my best to live up to it. Uh, so first, I do want to say that I am honored uh, to be asked to be with you. Thank you very much uh, for allowing me this, uh, this privilege and also this sacred responsibility uh, to, to preach. Uh, I'm also grateful to have my family with me. My wife, Delise, is uh, just in the other room and our daughter is with her. Uh, our son is in Sunday school right now at First Baptist Plano, and so otherwise he would uh, be with us. We have my parents. Uh, they're joining us from Albuquerque. I also saw uh, during the singing, I scrolled through and, and looked at uh, names, and we have uh, my in-laws. My wife's parents are with us, and uh, one of her sisters I saw, and my sister, uh, from uh, Albuquerque. Anyway, she and her husband just recently moved to Texas from uh, the Albuquerque area, so they're joining us too. Uh, we may have some from the young adult Sunday school class that my wife and I teach uh, for First Baptist Plano that have joined us. I, I had my eyes closed at a certain point, and so I didn't see uh, all who came in. But at any rate, uh, I'm grateful uh, to have uh, this opportunity this morning and to, to be entrusted with this. I also should say uh, that my wife, Delise, and I are 
going to celebrate our 23rd wedding anniversary in just a few days. So we're excited about that. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a little bit of introduction about how uh, Dr. Kim, uh, brother Kim and I know each other. Uh, and I recognize too, in, in different cultures, uh, titles are, are used or not used, uh, depending. And uh, earlier, uh, Pastor Kim said that in the Baptist tradition, uh, many times we don't use uh, those titles, doctor or, or reverend or, or what have you. Uh, I was raised at a time when if someone was a doctor, you called them doctor. <laughs> so it didn't make any difference. Uh, and then when I became one, I was told by my colleagues, no, you call me by my first name now. And I said, I don't think I can do that. Uh, and they insisted. So uh, I may go back and forth. But at any rate, uh, Pastor Kim and I, we met each other through uh, my current role as the executive director, publisher, and editor uh, of the Baptist Standard. And if you're not familiar with the Baptist Standard, uh, we're a news organization that has partnered with the Baptist General Convention of Texas for more than 130 years. So uh, those two organizations, the BGCT that Forest Community is a part of and uh, the First Baptist Plano is a part of, have been around a long time. And uh, the Baptist Standard, we publish news, opinion, and resources for the purpose of informing, inspiring, and challenging people to live like Jesus. So that's why we exist. Uh, and one of the things that we cover is the business and ministry of the, the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And uh, Pastor Kim, you may know, serves on the Theological Education Council, which is part of the Institutional Relations, uh, Relations Committee, which is part of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. So if you kept up with all of that, uh, you'll do really well on the test at the end. So <laughs> no, there's no test. There's no test. Uh, but Pastor Kim and I have interacted uh, in our various roles uh, in Texas Baptist life. Uh, but also, I pray for pastors all over Texas and elsewhere each month. And uh, Pastor Kim is one of those pastors that I pray for. And I send an email to them each time I pray. And uh, you may wonder why I would do that in my current role. And quite simply, I pray for pastors because I was one. Uh, I was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Covington, which is south of Fort Worth, for eight and a half years. It's a small rural community, uh, was there eight and a half years. And my father-in-law, who is uh, joining us this morning, he was a pastor for about 45 years. Um, the last 37 of those, he was the pastor of Acton Baptist Church, which is outside of Granbury, outside of Fort Worth. So from my own personal experience and from uh, what I learned from people like my father-in-law, I know how challenging, uh, stressful, uh, sometimes exhausting, sometimes frustrating, uh, sometimes isolating, and oftentimes lonely pastoring can be, but also how joyful and how sacred pastoring is. And so I pray for pastors, and I hope that you uh, pray for your pastor as well. Well, this morning, I want to uh, make use of this honor that's been given to me uh, by digging into one of our favorite Christmas stories. And uh, really, I want to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who uh, came to live with us, to teach us, and to die for us, and then rose again as conqueror of sin and death. 
And this morning, what I want to, to share with you is uh, something that I've recently learned, sort of a new lens on this particular story in Luke chapter two. Uh, I've read this story most of my life and had a, a particular view of the shepherds, but I want to uh, share with you a new view that I have uh, of the shepherds, something I've been learning this last year. So we're going to look at Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. And uh, you'll see the verses on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard. Uh, if, if you have a Bible, uh, your Bible may be different from that. So it may uh, sound different or look different at certain points, but that's okay. Uh, so I'm reading from the New American Standard, Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. And I have to tell you that when I chose this passage for this morning, I didn't know about your Good Shepherd College. So Pastor Kim uh, educated me about that, and I'm excited and glad to know about what you are doing with Good Shepherd College. So it seems that this particular sermon uh, is, is for us this morning. It's always nice when uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit works in a way uh, to give us a message that's for us. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. In the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. What an incredible story. That shepherds, of all the people who could have been invited first, that shepherds were the first people, besides Mary and Joseph, who got to see and hear about the arrival of the good shepherd. Well, as has already been said this morning, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so growing up living in the city, I didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to uh, develop agrarian skills. Uh, and it's interesting because the church I pastored was a small rural church. We were surrounded by cows, corn, and, uh, and wheat, and all of that, cotton. And uh, it was pretty obvious to most of the people there that I grew up in the city. But at any rate, uh, not having had this opportunity to uh, develop agrarian skills, uh, our church every December put on a live nativity 
and live sheep were part of it. So that was about as country as I got <laughs> when I was growing up. Well, when I was in high school, my dad, who's with us this morning, uh, took on the responsibility of putting on this live nativity at our church. And a family friend had sheep and a donkey that uh, we would use in this live nativity. And somewhere, my dad and this man decided it would be a good idea for me to take care of the sheep and the donkey. And I'll tell you that I figured out very quickly that I liked taking care of the donkey uh, a lot more than I liked taking care of the sheep. Uh, the sheep were, were skittish. Uh, the donkey and I, we seemed to understand each other, and I don't know what that says about me, but at any rate, uh, but the sheep, they were skittish, and they just, they wanted to go their own way whenever they wanted to go there, and you just didn't know uh, what the sheep were going to do, except probably be afraid. Well, from that experience, I don't know that I would have made a very good shepherd, so it's just as well that I didn't develop those skills. When we read this story in Luke chapter two, we tend to think of the shepherds in these kinds of limited categories. We either think of them as grubby guys who smelled like the wilderness, uh, that their sole purpose was to raise sheep, or we think about children playing the part of shepherds in a Christmas play like Linus in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. But one of the things that I've been learning here recently is that Shepherds in the Bible, there's a whole lot more to them than either one of these two categories. While it is true that uh, shepherds, when, we, when they appear in the Bible, people like Abraham, Jacob, uh, David, the shepherds in this story in Luke chapter 2, uh, while it is true that they literally did raise sheep, uh, the people in the Bible had a much larger conception of, or an idea uh, carrying, carried around in their mind of, of what a shepherd was. So the people who lived these stories that we read about 2,000 years later, they had a much richer understanding of what a shepherd was. So this, this is what I want us to look at a little bit this morning, because I think it enriches our understanding of this story in Luke chapter 2. So for people living during the times described in the Bible, this term shepherd uh, very often was used to refer to a person who was a benefactor, what we might call a patron or a provider uh, for other people. And uh, these patrons, they didn't call them patrons, they would call them by other names, but uh, these providers, they usually held a high position in their family or their community. These were the people that other people went to for help. It was an esteemed position. Well, as you would expect, there were good patrons and there were bad patrons. Bad patrons took advantage of the people in their care. Uh, they would manipulate them, sometimes even abuse them. Uh, bad patrons, they would look out only for themselves. They would use what they had for their own benefit. Now, good patrons, on the other hand, they knew that they held a position of great responsibility. They knew that their authority and position and power and wealth, all that they had, was not for their own benefit, but it was for the welfare and the security, the, the, the benefit of their family and their community now and in the future. It was something to be stewarded for other people. 
not only were patrons uh, people who provided for others, they were also protectors, sometimes jealously so. Uh, they would fight off anything and anyone that threatened to put their family or their community or maybe even their country in danger. Good patrons would even lay down their lives for the people in their care if it was necessary. Uh, this relationship between patrons and those that they helped, it, it was kind of a two-way street. A, a patron could be approached. You could go to this person and ask for help. Or uh, many times these, these individuals would initiate the offer of help. They would go to someone in need and offer that help. And when this happened, this, uh, this relationship between the provider, the protector, and, and those in their care, it was not business. Uh, not like we think of it today. It was not a transaction. It was not exchanging one thing for another. And then once the transaction is over, you go your own way. No, these relationships between the provider the, and the protector and, and those receiving it, uh, this was done in order to grow and develop and strengthen relationships. This was the fabric of a family, of a community, and even a country. Well, bad patrons knew this, and they would take advantage of it. They would manipulate these relationships for their own benefit. Good patrons, they grew these relationships for the good of others. Good patrons, they wanted their family and their community to flourish. And so they, they used everything they had their wealth, their power, their position, their authority, to build relationships with people that they wanted to care for. It was not a, a burden for them. This was something they wanted to do. It was a responsibility and an honor that they took seriously. Okay, so there's, there's the culture uh, of the time. Well, these patrons, these benefactors, providers, protectors, they were known at the time by a set of names. These names were King, Father, Shepherd. And the people in their care would be known as children or flock. So with this in mind, maybe we're beginning to see why it's interesting that of all the people who could have been invited first to come see Jesus, it was the shepherds who were invited first. So let's think again about this story in Luke chapter 2. The reason that this story even happened at all, the reason that Jesus was born as a baby, is as we're told in John 3.16, and uh, you'll see this up on the screen. The, the words of John 3.16 that likely we have memorized, and if we haven't memorized, we've, we've probably at least heard it before, this is the reason for this story being told that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So Jesus came because God wants us to live. God does not want us to perish. God does not want us to be in need. God wants to provide for us and to protect us. God loves us, and God initiates this relationship. 
So not only is God our creator, God is our provider and our protector. God sent his son, Jesus, also known as Emmanuel, God with us, to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to provide for us the means to escape eternal death and to give us eternal life. Because you see, we were in the greatest need. We were bound by the power of sin and death. And we needed life, but we couldn't give it to ourselves. We didn't have the means to accomplish that. Only God could break the power of sin and death, and only God can give us life. So in this way, God is functioning like a patron or a shepherd toward us. Well, when we fast forward from this story about 30 years, uh, Jesus has become an adult and he's beginning his ministry, and shepherds show up again. Now, not in the same way that they showed up the night he was born, but this time they show up in his stories and in his teaching. For example, in, in Luke chapter 15, we have a story about the prodigal son, but we also have a story in there where Jesus likens himself to a shepherd who leaves the, the majority of the sheep to go after that one lost sheep to protect it and to bring it home. We also read in John chapter 10, uh, this is a passage that you are probably familiar with, and uh, this will be up on the screen as well. In this passage, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Jesus said in uh, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and the father are one. Now remember that just a, a moment ago, we, we learned that uh, father was also an important name for the people at the time. And so by Jesus referring to the Father here, he's, he's not just referring to a revealed characteristic or a revealed name of God. He's not just making a theological designation for God. In the minds and in the consciousness of the people who were listening to Jesus right then at that moment, the Father would have been a placeholder. It would have represented the great caretaker the people. And here Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, using one of those metaphors, and also saying that he and the Father are one. It's like he doubled down on this idea of who he was and what his relationship is to us. So Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, if, if we think back to those categories that we tend to come to this uh, passage with, uh, thinking about a shepherd as merely someone who smells bad and raises sheep, or uh, as a, a child in a Christmas play, um, what we're seeing here is Jesus was not saying that he was going to raise fluffy sheep for shearing and eating. This was not what Jesus was up to. Jesus was saying that he, along with the Father, 
is the provider, the protector. There's no need to go to anyone else. And quite frankly, there's no one else who can do what they can do. Jesus is the greatest shepherd of them all. He is the greatest benefactor, the greatest provider and protector of them all. He and the Father give us abundant life out of their endless supply. So this Jesus, this good shepherd, was welcomed into this world as the very opposite of who he was. He was welcomed into this world as himself the one in need. He came as a completely helpless and vulnerable newborn baby. And he was welcomed by the shepherds. I've been seeing this story in a whole new light as I've been learning this uh, richer and fuller understanding of what shepherds were in Jesus's time. So with all of this in mind, let's come back to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We're going to read through this again, um, sort of quickly, and we're going to look at these verses and and point out some things that we've learned. So in verse 8, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. The shepherds were in the place where the sheep were most likely to flourish. They were with the sheep out in the fields. Was it comfortable? (laughs) Was it safe? Well, not likely. But you see, the shepherds were more concerned with what the sheep needed than they were concerned about their own comfort and safety. This sounds to me like Jesus, who was less concerned about the privileges of heaven and left those in order to come be with us out in the fields, as it were, out in the wilderness of this world, this broken world, Jesus came to be with us, to bring us what we need so that we can flourish, and gave up his own comfort and safety. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Not just a, a little spooked, They were terribly frightened. Now, you see, angels didn't pop into view all the time. And when they did, it often wasn't a good thing. Uh, Not only were shepherds not accustomed to this kind of thing, uh, we also have to understand that shepherds were not frightened by much. They would stay with the sheep out in the fields at night, uh, in the fields at night. And sometimes even during the day, the lions came and the bears came and sometimes the thieves came. And so these shepherds had to be tough. They had to be courageous. They would fight off these lions and bears and thieves with their bare hands if they had to. So for them to be frightened, something truly awesome confronted them. Verse 10. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news. So not only did angels not pop into view all the time, uh, but they didn't always bring good news. From the stories uh, that the people would share with each other, there were times when angels brought bad news. 
So here the angel is, frightening all by himself or itself, uh, and uh, brings this news. And this time, though, the angel makes sure to point out, this time you don't need to fear. Because this time I'm on a mission to announce to you the arrival of the good shepherd. Verse 10, uh, the angel said that this good news is of great joy for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And as it turns out, Savior is another one of those uh, words used for a benefactor. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's stop there for a second. Shepherds had a singular focus. Take care of the sheep. But what just happened was so remarkable that their singular focus shifted. And now they had to go see what had happened. Now, this shift in focus did not make these bad shepherds. This shift in focus made these shepherds obedient to the message that they had received from God to go see the good shepherd. There's a time when our focus must shift. Verse 16, and they came in a hurry. They didn't mess around and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. The New International Version reads, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They made known the statement. They spread the word concerning this child. The shepherds had been given and taken on a new responsibility. Through the angel's message, God invited these shepherds to see the promised child. And by going, these shepherds acted in faith and they received the good news. And then they couldn't help themselves. Having seen the promised child with their own eyes, they did what any good shepherd would do. They spread the word about this child because this child was not given just to them. This child was not just for their benefit to hold on to and to keep as their own secret. Don't let the word out. No, they spread the word because this child was given for everyone. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherds. For others to be amazed at what the shepherds were saying, I want... <laughs> I wonder what they must have looked like and how they must have sounded. I don't know that people had ever seen shepherds act like that. And then in verse 20, and the shepherds went back 
Well, back where? The shepherds had a job to do, take care of the sheep. So the shepherds went back. Oh, but they were different people. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as had been told them, Scripture tells us. Good patrons, those who lay down their lives for the people in their care, they won't lie to us. They won't shortchange us. They won't bait and switch us. What they promise, they will deliver. And it will be just as promised. Now this story, it doesn't end at verse 20. That baby grew up, became a man, performed miracles, taught with authority. Before that, was arrested, was executed, and was buried. And then he rose from the dead and he left the grave, fulfilling the greatest promise ever given. Afterward, Jesus was on the shore of a lake where his disciples were fishing, and he called out to them and told them where to throw their nets. And so they did, and when they threw in their nets, they received a catch of fish so large they could hardly pull the nets into the boat. And immediately, Paul knew, not Paul, Peter, sorry. I was really jumping ahead. Uh, Peter knew immediately who it was on the shore yelling at them. It was Jesus. And Peter couldn't get to the shore fast enough. And when he got to the shore, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes. I love you. Jesus asked Peter that question three times, and Peter said, yes, you know I love you. And every time Jesus responded to Peter and said, then take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ, was welcomed into this world by shepherds who knew their job. Their job was to take care of the sheep. And right after they saw God's promise fulfilled, they spread the word, the good news about Jesus, the good shepherd. And all who heard it were amazed. And from that night going forward, about 33 years later, the good shepherd, after he had risen from the dead, left this world by calling us to be shepherds, to take good care of the message, the promise, the gift that we've been given, that we have received in and from the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. So where does this bring us? Well, is, is Jesus your good shepherd? He can be. See, Jesus, he's not one of those bad shepherds. He's not one who's going to manipulate you, who's going to hold out what he has on offer like a carrot on a stick to try to get you to do his bidding and to abuse you, to manipulate you and to take advantage of you. No, Jesus is not a bad shepherd. 
Jesus is a good shepherd. And we know this because Jesus laid down his life for us. A bad shepherd won't do that. Jesus is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for us so that we could live. And he holds out this life to all who will call on him, all who will acknowledge he is Lord, and will give their lives to him. Is Jesus your good shepherd? He can be. If Jesus is your good shepherd, if you already have called out to him and acknowledged he is Lord and given your life over to him, then your task and mine is the same. It's the same task as the shepherds on that night that the angels appeared. You see, our task is to spread the word about him because we've seen him. We've received him, we believed in him, and we found him just as we were told he would be. God bless you.